I'm continuing this morning with the secret to a blessed life. Amen. Do you know that scripture that we read the beginning of the service, Isaiah 60, that says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And it says in verse 3 that the glory will be seen upon you. That has been God's plan for mankind from the beginning. God's glory, God's presence to be in your life. So where we've been teaching on finances, if you carefully go listen to all the sermons, you'll see it's about one thing. God wanting His presence upon your finances. But not only upon your finances, He wants your, His presence in your life. Adam in the beginning, when God created him, he was clothed with God's glory. God gave him an instruction and said, attend to the garden, look after the garden. As a matter of fact, God gave him authority over everything upon earth. It says, rule over everything. But he didn't give him the instruction without empowering him. He clothed him with his glory, with his presence. God's plan from the beginning was for you to think with him, to plan with him, to act with him, to walk with him. From the beginning, that was God's plan. Just think quickly in the book of Acts. What did Jesus say in the Gospels to the disciples? Wait in Jerusalem, tarry in Jerusalem, until you've received power from on high. He says, don't just go out and start ministering to people sharing this gospel, wait for the empowerment. So this means if God has has got an assignment for you here on earth, He's ready to empower you so that you can be successful. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 8 verse 18, it's God who gives you the power, the strength, the ability to be successful. And you should remember the Lord your God, for it's He who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So who gives us the power to obtain wealth? It's God. So everything that you have in your hand today is a result of God's grace, God's mercy, God's goodness. Everything that you will obtain in the future is a result of God's grace and God's mercy. But God has anointed us to be successful. As a matter of fact, if you're in business, God has anointed you for business. Anointing is not just for preaching. You're anointed for business. It doesn't matter what you are doing. If you're the CEO of a company, you're anointed for business to be there. You need God's presence to be successful. If you're a housewife, you need God's anointing more to look after those children, to train them in God's ways. So whether you're a housewife or you're a CEO or president, you need God's presence. If God has given you an assignment, He will empower you. To fulfill that assignment. Do you know what's your assignment in life? Even as an anointed one, a one who is anointed for business, a one who is anointed with an assignment, who of you have realized you've had some resistance from the enemy? Just because you're an anointed one for business or anointed for a task does not mean you will not have resistance or interference. Turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis 1. Why I'm calling this anointed for business It's the simple reason that not one of Jesus' 12 disciples were either a pastor or a Levite or a priest or a deacon or a duomni. All of them were businessmen that he had called and anointed and empowered to go out. It's work. Why many people don't have prayer lines and pray afterwards. Don't want to take the time to do deliverance on people because it takes time. It's work. 
But that's what God has anointed us to do. Whenever you read, you'll see when God talks about, I've empowered you, I've called you, I've said, go out. One of the first things that he says is, cast out demons. If Jesus said, go out and do it. But you see, it's work. People don't like to work. They are lazy. Don't be lazy. Be a hard worker. Because God blesses the work of your hands. Not the laziness or the folding of your hands. Be a hard worker. God will empower you. So Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. In verse 1, we see God is busy with His business. He is busy creating the heavens and the earth. If you go read the book of Proverbs 8, you'll see that Jesus was a master craftsman. He was involved with the painting, the colors of the universe. So if you see the beautiful colors on some animals, the Bible says He was that craftsman. Busy working, helping His Father. In verse 2, we see that the earth had no form, was void, and there was darkness. Now, both three those characteristics are not characteristics of God. And most Bible scholars will agree that that is the time period where Satan was kicked out of heaven and he fell upon the earth. This means that even when God was busy creating the heavens and the earth, busy with his business, Satan tried to interfere. So if he interfered while God was busy creating, but God was busy with his business, guess what? He's going to try and interfere with your business. What did God do in verse 3? He said, let there be light. And it brought separation between light and darkness. If you go to John 1, I want you to take this word today to heart. Because it's going to help you to go from where you are to where God wants you to be. If we take God's word to heart and we allow it to enter into our hearts, by its very nature, it will change us. And when it changes us, we'll find ourselves acting and walking with God. So the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In Genesis, man sinned. And when he sinned, the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God said, if you eat of this tree, you will die. Satan said, no, you won't die. You'll still live. To be dead is not to have God in your life. So when they had sinned, the glory of God was removed from them. From that very moment... God was busy with an assignment to get His glory, His presence, back into our lives. Man tried to cover himself with fig leaves. God came and covered him with blood, skin, because He wanted to restore glory back into our lives. You can go look at everybody. Joseph, God is busy restoring back glory into his life. Elijah, Elisha, this whole story through the Bible, Old Testament, is God busy getting glory back into our lives. Because if His presence is in our lives, what we will do will be blessed. So all that we've been sharing the previous four weeks is what God has commanded His people to get His glory, His presence on their finances. 
So all we're going to do today is, is show you that God says not only your finances is blessed when you obey Him, but you yourself, God is anointed for business, is anointed for success. So if your finances are blessed through your obedience, and now you know that you are blessed, you are anointed, God has set you up for success. Then you can say with all confidence, because my life is centered around Christ Jesus, I know the best is yet to come. So darkness is what tries to come into our lives to rob you from your assignment. What are most people trying to do today? They want to be successful without God's presence, without God's empowerment. In your own strength, you can only go this far. But with God's anointing, you can go so much further. So look at that verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the Bible says when the word became flesh, when Jesus was born, we could see that glory again. And the Bible says there was a secret. It was kept hidden for many years. It was Christ on the inside of us. Because in our hearts, we are made to be like Jesus. So as we continue, I will share a bit more on the anointing within and the anointing upon. There's an anointing upon you that empowers you, but there's an anointing within which is the character of Christ. And those two flames should burn as one. If your gift, the enablement for a specific assignment upon you is greater than the gift on the inside, you're an accident waiting to happen. Because your character needs to sustain or maintain that. This is what happens with many young people when they suddenly become very famous and make a lot of money. They empowered with finances, but they don't have the character. They don't understand the purpose of those finances, and now they start abusing it. And it destroys their lives. And that which is intended to be a blessing becomes a curse. So what did Jesus say in Luke 4, verse 18? He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor so the anointing is not there to give you goosebumps to give you liver shivers if you get that it's wonderful i mean i had goosebumps this morning in the praise and worship and it's wonderful but the purpose for the anointing is not to give you goosebumps the purpose of the anointing is to empower you for your assignment This is why many people have soaking meetings and all they want to do is sit in God's presence and get goosebumps. And they don't understand that goosebumps is wonderful, but when you have the goosebumps, it's for a purpose. It's to empower you to go out and to go and minister. So Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's empowered me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now as a Christian, as a believer, this might be my pulpit. Where I'm standing here and I'm preaching to you here. But if you, a CEO of a company, your boardroom becomes your pulpit. If you're a teacher, your classroom becomes your pulpit. If you're a nurse working in a hospital, those patients, that's your place where you can minister to them. You know, I thank God for ICU sisters. Many times when you go visit ICU wards, how many of those are believers? And they are praying over those babies. And I'm saying, thank God. They understand the assignment. It's not to stand... Everybody cannot stand here this morning and preach. We'll have chaos. The problem that we have today is a director walks into a boardroom and he says, God, you just have to stay out here quickly. I have to take care of a few things. What is he saying? Your empowerment, your ability that you've given me, I want to remove it now and leave it outside. And I want to go in with my own ability, my own agenda, my own plan. 
The Bible says Jesus is the light of this world. And in his light, there is life. Amen? So Jesus came and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So the Bible says, For this very reason, Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. The anointing is there to destroy yokes in your life. And this is God's plan. What do people say when they go to a brother or to a pastor or to an elder and they say, pray with me for my situation? In essence, they are saying, can you agree with me that God's glory and God's presence will enter into the situation? When we are praying for the salvation of somebody's soul, what are we saying? Lord, stretch out your hand and let your presence manifest in this man's life or this woman's life. And this has been God's plan from the beginning. So God has anointed you for business. He's anointed you for success. The Bible says in the book of Revelations, And He's made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. So what does this mean? God has anointed us as kings, and God has anointed us as priests. But the Bible says in 2 Samuel 11 verse 1, At the appointed time, kings went out to battle for the very reason to obtain wealth. Who of you have realized that the marketplace is a battle? You may be not going out with your swords and with your guns and with your horses, but it's a battlefield. Who of you have had encounters with some fierce kings who have no grace in their negotiations? They've come to plunder you. So God says, I've anointed you to be a king and I've anointed you to be a priest. So in part, I stand in the office as a priest where God has anointed me to preach to you. But still... As a king, I have to take responsibility for my finances. In the same way, you might not be a pastor, but you're anointed as a king in the marketplace to do business. But yet, you're also anointed as a priest because you have to be that for your family. So we'll look at the role of those. So I quickly want to show you how you use the anointing to be successful in life. You all know that God has spoken to us many times in household of Christ concerning the life of King David. When we started the church, the Lord said, this will be like a David's army. Not because of the many battles you'll fight, but because of the mighty men that will come to this house. Run in your lane and let them run in their lane. In other words, the anointing that I've placed upon yourself, focus upon that. And the anointings and the grace that I've placed upon their lives, let them focus upon that. So turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 14 verse 52. Saul was anointed as king. So in other words, he was empowered for a purpose, for a reason, as the king. Bible says here now there was fierce war with the Philistines all the days of Saul and when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man he took him for himself so after he was anointed as king what Saul would do if he went on the battlefield he would look for the biggest guy and he would go and take out the biggest guy and they would know that's the king who went and did that and they would have victory that's what Saul did do you know guys like that when they walk into a place they look for the biggest guy and they say you're mine this was Saul okay but then he was disobedient. He didn't obey God's word. The instruction that was given to him, he didn't stick to that. And he basically, through his disobedience, destroyed his life. Saul was chosen by God. He was anointed. 1 Samuel 16 verse 12. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was a ruddy with bright eyes and good looking after the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Now I just want to remind you that even Samuel, the priest, didn't think that David was the one. He thought the other brothers look better you know still today we judge outwardly and we make mistakes we look and we say yo the way this guy is clothed and dressed in his hairstyle and the way he's built 
he must be a good preacher. You know, just by looking at his suit and how many pockets he's got on the side here, and he's got to think, this is, a, this is a anointed guy, I can see he can preach. And we judge outwardly, and we can make a mistake. Even Samuel here made a mistake. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. What does it mean when God anoints you? It means He's empowered you. His presence is with you. If God's presence is with you, you're going to be successful. Why did David pray in Psalm 51? Do not let your spirit depart from me. It's after he had sinned. After he had sinned. He was not obedient to God's word. He realized, if I want to continue to be a giant slayer, I have to make sure that God's presence remains upon me. That's why the short five foot five Jewish boy could kill giants. Not because he was mighty and brave and strong, but he had a friend in the Holy Spirit who disposes of giants in his life. So here he's anointed as king. Are you an anointed one? Amen. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, it's nine. Opportunity and chance comes to everybody. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. So here David is, given the least of jobs, he looks after the sheep. There where nobody can see him on his own, is giving attention to the few sheep. If you are faithful in the small things, God can entrust you to the big things. He was faithful with a few sheep, and God made him the greatest shepherd of Israel. So here, he's there in the field, just being faithful. God has anointed him. The Bible says, while he's looking after the sheep, when a lion comes, he says, God has empowered me, I'm anointed. You will not take the sheep. And he would remove the sheep from the lion's mouth, out of the bear's claws. God anointed him to do that. Nobody is seeing it, but he's growing in God's presence. Trusting God more and more. Amen. Anybody here with faith this morning to face a bear? To face a lion? Amen. Well, let's see what God does here. He's busy setting up David for success. 1 Samuel 17 verse 21. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same word. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Now just remember, Saul was the anointed one, supposed to pick out the biggest guy and go slay him. But God's presence had departed from him. So he didn't have that confidence to be a giant slayer anymore, to go and take the biggest guy on. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. How's that for a reward? You're going to marry the king's daughter? Your family is never going to pay taxes again. I mean, that's a big enough reward already in South Africa. Now, David is coming here. He's been looking after the sheep. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done? Just give it to me again. Because this sounds too easy. You're telling me I'm anointed by God. I've been killing a bear, dealing with a lion. And now you're telling me I'm going to get all of this. I must just kill this giant. 
God has anointed you. Your anointing is that which comes easy. You know, for certain people, it's difficult to negotiate. For other people, it's so easy to negotiate. Now somebody comes to you and say, just negotiate this for us. We'll give you this and this. Is this all you want me to do? Yes, that's all we want you to do. Then you use that anointing, that gift, and you go do it. And you'll see the reward that will come. Not in your own strength and your own ability, but relying upon what God is doing. What shall be done for this man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He says, who is this person? He hasn't got the presence of God. And now he's coming to defile us. And I'm an anointed one. And you say, as an anointed one, I must complete this assignment and you're going to reward me? And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. And Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. You know, it's so funny, there's always an older brother in the Bible. Even when it came to the prodigal son who came back, there was an older brother. Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep? He's actually saying, don't you have better things to attend to? Your assignment is actually to look after a few sheep. Leave this business to the pros. Let the professionals deal with this. Go back and look after your sheep. Anybody ever said that to you? You have a passion to do something? No, no, just keep quiet. You cannot do this. If God has anointed you, He will empower you. And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart. For you have come down to see the battle. Now he is accused of impure motives. <laughs> He's just saying, who is this person defiling the living Jesus? They're accusing you, oh, you've got arrogance in your heart. You've got pride in your heart. What are you? Look what David says. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Is there not a purpose, a reason that I'm here? Is there not a purpose why I've been anointed? Is there not a reason why God has enabled me to deal with the lion, to deal with the bear? And this message came to Saul. Saul said, no, 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 no. You cannot just go with the anointing. The way that you have to go is we have to clothe you with my weaponry. Be sure to clothe yourself with God's weapon and armory and not that of the world. Amen. I want to encourage you. Have you had victories? Let me see your hand if you've slain the lion in your life. If you've slain a bear in your life. Well, I've got good news for you. The same anointing that killed the bear, the same anointing that killed the lion, is the same anointing that killed the giant. So if you are facing a giant right now, look back at that spiritual beacon where God gave you the victory. The same anointing, the same empowerment, it's the same Holy Spirit that's going to help you now in this victory. The question is, are you born again? The question is, have you received that empowerment from on high? Or are you walking in your own power? Where did your power come from? Who enabled you? The big thing is David did what was in his heart. Amen. The big question is, are you born again? Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 87. Let me read from verse 1. His foundation is in the holy mountain. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon to those who know me. Do you know God? Behold, O Philistia and Tyre and Ethiopia, this one was born there. This one was born where? There. Where is there? And of Zion it will be said, this one and that one were born in her. And the Most High Himself shall establish her. The Lord will record 
when he registers the peoples, this one was born there. Here in the Old Testament, it's given direction already that one has to be born again. Not just the birth that you had here on earth, but that you were born in Zion, the spiritual Jerusalem. If your name is registered in heaven, where God's presence is, this is how we know that God is with a person when he is born again. Proverbs 8 verse 35 says, He who finds God finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. The most important thing for you to be empowered to walk in God's presence is to have your name registered in heaven. Let's go to Hebrews 12 verse 21. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I'm exceedingly afraid and trembling. So this is where Moses went into God's presence and came out again and the people could see God's glory upon him. If you go to the book of 2 Corinthians 3, you'll read there where God says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. But as we behold into a mirror, we are being changed from glory to glory by the Spirit himself. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 16. So God wants glory back into our lives, even when he was giving the law here. So he's referring in the same, it's the same reference here. Verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. He says, so you're not gathering here on the earthly Jerusalem. We are gathering in the spiritual Jerusalem. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. Now, just here quickly, if you want any reason why you have to be in church, go to church on a Sunday. Just read the scripture. Amen? Amen. Let me encourage you something about the anointing. The church, the body of Christ, is the reservoir of God's power. So if I can give you some encouragement, if you're going through a challenge, you don't even feel like reading your Bible or praying or running away, just make sure you're in church on a Sunday. Because here's God's glory, here's God's presence to bring change in your life. So the most stupid thing that we can do or foolish thing that we can do is not go to church on a Sunday. A living church is where God's power is, where God's glory is. Make sure you go to a living church where the people sitting next to you's names are registered in Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. If you know people whose names are not registered there, bring them, we'll help them to get their names registered in heaven. That's our assignment. God will give us power to go to Jerusalem, to Samaria and the furthest part to preach the gospel. You know what's the amazing thing? And I'm going to go there now. Joshua was the one with Moses. Remember, Moses never went into the promised land. But Joshua went into the promised land. If you go read Exodus 33, verse 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. What does it mean? He stayed and remained in God's presence. That's where he received empowerment in God's presence to go and possess the promised land. Do you have a promised land that you want to possess? Make sure your empowerment comes from God. When God starts doing amazing things and you've seen people getting healed, people getting delivered, the Bible says, don't rejoice. Book of Luke says, don't rejoice that you have power over demons, that you can do all these things. But rejoice because your name has been written in heaven if your name is written in heaven you know everything is going to be okay because your focus is upon god's 
presence. To see what God would do in your life. Let me go to Joshua 1 verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, your servant, is dead. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, if you look at verse 1, it makes it clear that Moses is dead. I think Joshua knew that Moses was dead. And then the Lord comes to him and speaks to him and says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Why is God doing this? Because Moses was the one who was leading the people. Moses was the one meeting with God face to face. Moses was the one giving instruction and direction. And God is saying to Joshua, Moses is dead. That is your past. You are the one now that's anointed. You are the one now that is called. Put your past behind you and go and possess the promised land. Many of you are still looking and thinking, oh, this one partner with mine, he was the anointed one doing all the business. Or this brother of mine was actually the one supposed to do this and that. It's dead. It's over. Put your past behind you. God has anointed you for a purpose, for a reason, to go and possess your promised land. Look here what he says. Therefore arise. He says, now. Therefore. Now, every time you see now, it means faith. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is in other words take action now don't say tomorrow believe it now and take action now therefore arise go over this jordan you and all the people to the land which i'm giving to them the children of israel every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon i have given you as i said to moses so if these feet are anointed wherever you go god is giving it to you it's god's presence for the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. What is God saying? I will be with you. What does the Bible say in Matthew 1 verse 24? Emmanuel. God is with us if you're a christian and you are born again god is with you he's with us this is what he's saying to joshua here he says what he said to joshua here is what he said to moses is what he said to the disciples i will be with you no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as i was with moses so i will be with you i will not leave you nor forsake you now just think quickly malachi 3 if God is with you and God is with your finances, is it a difficult thing for God to say, I will rebuke the devourer? No, the enemy will be coming against God's presence, against God's glory. Yet the Bible says we should not touch God's glory. Am I right? The Bible says do not touch my glory. Yet Jesus in John 17, he said, Father, the glory that you have given me, I have now given to them. It means the empowerment that Jesus received for his assignment, he's now giving that empowerment unto us to go out and do what he's called us to do. Amen. You know what's the problem? You're holding on to the past. What does 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 say? When a person is in Christ, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's a new season. It's a new dawn for you. Well, that's enough reason to get happy about. Christ is not going to remember it. So why do you remember it? But there's a new anointing for you to go and possess, 
to accomplish and fulfill your assignment. So whether your assignment is to look after children, whether your assignment is to clean toilets, whether your assignment is to work with computers, whether your assignment is to play drums, whatever, with God's presence, you can do it so much better. You know, many churches saw young people leaving the church. So they thought, well, let's get a band. If we get a band, the young people will come back. It's not the band that's drawing the young people. Amen. It's the presence of God. It's the glory of God. If those people are not playing while they are clothed with God's presence, how can they manifest God's presence? Because you can only give to people what you've already received. So now they think it's in the guitar or it's in the drums. It's not. The young people are still not coming because they're looking for God's glory. They're looking for God's presence. You're an anointed one and you have an assignment. God is ready to take you from where you are to where He wants you to be. Go to Mark 16 from verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So this is the great commission. This is the assignment that's given to us. Go and do all these things. Am I right? Okay, go to Matthew 28. Verse 19, are you there? Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Does that sound the same? He's saying go again. Take action. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Can you see he didn't say, cast out demons, lay hands on the sick, you'll walk on the snakes. He just said, I'll be with you. This is what he said to Joshua. I will be with you. Did he say, go chop off their heads, knock them on the knees, burn down their walls? No, he says, go and possess the land. Jericho belongs to me, the first city. Thereafter, take it. What did he say to Noah? Build the boat. This wide, this long, this high. Didn't say, take laminated wood. No, no, no. He was the one who did that. What did Jesus say? When he was talking about 10 talents, he says, do business until I come. What does that mean? Stay busy with your assignment until I come. That which I've called you for, that which I've empowered you to do, stay busy with it until I come. Let me tell you something. As a businessman, as an attorney, as a CEO, as a doctor, whatever you're doing, with the presence of God, you can do so much more. But if you as a doctor are busy diagnosing somebody with the Holy Spirit, where other people would make, mis make mistakes, the Holy Spirit will show you, this is the real reason. Go look at this. Go look at that. Yes, if you're an attorney and you're busy dealing with a difficult situation, God can reveal to you, these people are trying to do this and this and this. If you're busy with a, a business transaction, God can show you the hearts of the people. If you're a CEO or MD of a company, let God reveal those who are faithful, those who are loyal, who you should promote now to help you, who you should draw close to you, and who you should just keep at a distance. That's the anointing helping you in business. God's presence helping you. Difficult matters that you are dealing with. Computer programming. You know what the Bible says? Witty inventions and ideas God can drop into your spirit. When the temple had to be built and constructed, there's certain people that God gifted and empowered to do certain things. So God can give you ideas. Just let me leave this with you. 80% of what we're going to use in the year 2020 still needs to be designed. In other words, it's going to explode in somebody's spirit and heart. Let's do this. Let's do that. 
No, as God's children, you want your spirit to be open. Lord, bring those witty inventions and ideas to me as your child. Show me how to put this together. Or people facing a difficult challenge. Not just the knowledge. I mean, educate yourself. But with the presence of God upon you, God can show you things, reveal things to you so quickly. This is why God has empowered us. It's not just to preach the gospel here. The Bible says we should equip you for the work of the ministry. You are the ones out in the marketplace every day, ministering to people, declaring liberty to them, the year of jubilee unto them, because God has anointed you for a purpose and for a reason. So you have a purpose in life, a goal that you have to fulfill. So that which you've been doing in your own strength and your own ability, surrender yourself to God and say, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh upon me. Enter my soul. Change my heart so that I can do your will now and forever. Amen. Many of you with a new assignment from God. I mean, if you come and you say, Lord, let me use a simple example. You're in God's presence now. Now you're praying and God says, I want you to feed a thousand people this year every month. Say, so, Lord, well, that's wonderful. I really want to do that. But how do I feed them? Are you going to bless me? Give me an idea how to do it. The Lord can put that thing together like this. Amen. Precious Father, we thank you for your anointing. We thank